You're listening to Daily Notes, presented by Home Sideways. On this episode of Daily Notes, we journey back to 1997 and talk about two films celebrating their 25th anniversary, a cult classic Oscar-nominated movie and a dark, twisted anime film. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. I drink your milkshake. If you only knew the power of the dark You have my curiosity. Now you have my attention. This is how I win. Shall we begin? Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Almost Sideways Movie Podcast. My name is Adam. These are my daily notes where I have fun conversations about films. Today, a really fun episode. We're going back to 1997 today, talking about Starship Troopers. And my first time watch today is a movie called Perfect, Perfect Blue. Movie probably not many people have heard of, but I've heard of it, and uh, I've heard great things. I really wanted to watch this one. I'm going to pin the rules, my own rules that I've just put in place, uh, very briefly. But anyway, we'll get to that in a second. I'm really excited. I think the uh, last episode we talked about 87, Dirty Dancing and Predator. I thought that was really great. I want to give you a quick update on my Predator watch. We just watched Predator 2 a couple days ago from 1990. I think I guess I, I've watched it before. It's actually a pretty cool, cool movie. It's it's uh, sub- the suburban jungle. It comes out in 1990, but it takes place in 97, which is funny. Uh, but Don- Donald uh, Dan- Donald Glover, Danny Glover, uh, plays the main hero of the story, taking down the alien. It's pretty cool, pretty graphic. Uh, not nearly as great as the first film. It's a, an interesting watch. I give it like two and a half stars or something like that. So it's it's a solid movie. Uh, not the highest ranked Predator movie for me, but we're looking forward to rewatching the series. I think as of recording, we're getting ready to watch Alien vs. Predator. came in 2004. Uh, but, but we're not here to talk about that today. Uh, we're talking about these two films celebrating the 25th anniversary. And now 1997 for me, uh, that was the golden age for movies. Like 97, 98, 99, that was like prime years. So there's some films coming up that I, I'm going to talk about that in the upcoming years uh, from those year, the, from these mentioned years that I get really excited for. Like I'm really looking forward to now. I've already kind of planned a little bit of next year's schedule, like stuff I want to talk about. And I already got some really cool ones for 98. But 97, there was a movie that came out called Starship Troopers, directed by Paul Fairhoven. This is one of those ones that I, I, I went to the Blockbuster video or whatever video store was there and picked a film out randomly and kind of really loved it. Ripped some of the comics and I, I don't want to get too too much into uh, the story there because the, the review speaks for itself. Uh, but Perfect Blue is another one that I kind of had some people watch and I saw on Letterboxd some really good high ratings and I was like, you know what? I need to watch. I need to watch this one and yeah. So I guess without further ado, let's kick it off with the first time watch of the episode and that is. Perfect Blue. Mima was a pop star. This is Mima's last performance with Cham. Who desired to become an actress. I really hope that I can entertain you just the same as an actress. But sometimes, aspirations can be deadly. I'm always watching Mima's room. In the world of make-believe. This is when Mima proves herself. The price of fame. Don't worry, Mima, it'll be all right. May not be worth the cost of identity. Where did this come from? How do they know so much? Innocence is lost. Dreams become nightmares. And privacy 
no longer exists, where everything you do can be seen by everyone, and those you trust are really those you should fear. Your life no longer belongs to you. Excuse me, who are Manga you? Manga Entertainment me, presents Satoshi Khan's animated psychological thriller, Perfect Blue. Excuse me, who are you? Excuse me, who are you? All right, so Perfect Blue. On IMDb, I will make this uh, asterisk here right up front. It says it came out in 1997. Uh, but on our website, it's a 1999 film, and that's because of domest- uh, coming out domestically in 1999. In 1997, it played in some film festivals uh, in Canada, South Korea, Italy, uh, and Italy. And then it went to, to another, some other film festivals in 98. Uh, opened wine February 28th in 1998, and then it finally made its way down to the States in what is this, August 20th, 1999. So there is an asterisk to this, but I, I will say that I I'm going to consider it a 25th anniversary watch because technically the first time anybody's had seen this movie was uh, in 97, so it takes just a couple years to get to us, but I, I think that is... Uh, uh, it's just worth talking about. It. Let's just say that it's it's a great movie to talk about. So, if you would like to watch this film, I'm actually looking on JustWatch.com here. Uh, Perfect Blue is currently on AMC Plus. It's just free on AMC Plus if you're a sub there, and also a rental for three ninety nine on Apple TV. I, I actually rented this off of Amazon, and I actually got it for a dollar ninety nine to rent to watch it so that's how i watched it so yeah it is streaming on amc plus so perfect blue is directed by satoshi Kon, and it stars junko iwa and rika matsu matsumoto i do apologize because i feel like i butchered those names uh, and it's an animated crime drama film yeah, and the synopsis on IMDb is a pop singer gives up her career to become an actress, but she slowly goes insane when she starts being stalked by an obsessed fan and what seems to be the ghost of her past. All right, so going in, didn't really know too much about it. I just, I just heard great things about it. And I was like, you know what? The visuals from the little small tr- clips I had seen made me really want to watch it. So I sat down, watched this film, and I was quickly just in grossed into this story and it's not a really long movie actually either it's only 121 minutes uh it's tv 14 but basically i think that's it would be considered like a pg-13 r rating film imdb it's currently an 8.0 rating out of 75,000 rating uh, reviews so really popular movie really rated highly uh but anyway uh what really takes me into this film and why I really liked it a lot was that it is not afraid to push the boundaries of what this animation was able to do. It's a dark, kind of sinister story, uh, but it starts off rather innocently, where a, a young singer wants to go and become an actress. And it's a simple, little simple plot that way, but then it takes a kind of a... Um, a turn for like a stalker and being kind of uh, beginning ages of the internet happen in here this movie too, where 
there's a fan blog that she's not writing. It's a, a, a person pretending to be her writing, and she quickly realizes that when she uncovers this, that she quickly realizes, and I guess I should say her name too, the uh, character is Mimi. Uh, when Mimi realizes that she, there's this website and she kind of thinks it's cute and innocent at first, but then it gets like, what? You know what foot I step out of the train in? Like, this becomes really creepy, and it starts to slowly unravel. It's like a ball of yarn when you, a cat pushes it. It's kind of like slowly gets all these different things come out, out of it. And it is uh, quite interesting where it does go. There's a lot of uh, moments in here that are is kind of brutal, kind of really hard to watch. Especially when she um, Mimi takes a job, uh, one of her first big dramatic turns uh, as a scene uh where she takes a role where is a victim, like a, a dancer that has gets gets assaulted essentially. I, I won't essentially. So it is kind of that seeing that in in TV format. It's like it's kind of tough to be entertained by that. And but so you can kind of feel for where where that Mimi is at. And then when it gets clearer that she's being stalked, and when they show the the, the person who is responsible for. Uh, basically leading her down into terror it is it's rather a fascinating kind of the psychology that the, this movie does de uh, develop and turn into uh, i think the voice talent here is really good i think it really fits in i think the upbeat music because it's a, a band that mimi is in called cham but uh there is some upbeat songs there there's a kind of like i said like an innocence to it but it's it's clouded in darkness and uh negativity and uh just kind of creepiness and uh, creepiness up uh, uh, but anyway the uh, the main actress who plays uh mimi the voice of mimi is junko iwa and just a really good job here and rumi uh, the, the, another character rumi is played by rika matsumoto a uh, really good uh, pairing there i think these two uh, did a really good job with their talents uh, really uh, brought those characters to life here. Uh, let me see here. Uh, uh, let's see. I'm gonna go back to this dir the director here, uh, Sat Satoshi Kon. Uh, I think I wanted to say let's see how many movies he has done real quick. I'm gonna deep dive him real quick. He only has 11 right. He only has 10 directing credits, and this was his very first movie. Um, he's also done a movie in 2006 called. Uh, Paprika, which I also heard really good things, and Tokyo Godfathers, which I've also heard some good things about as well. Um, but I haven't seen those ones, so I definitely wanted to see this, and it's definitely, uh, he has a way with the story. I wish he would do more, actually, and I'm kind of interested to really watch his other films because of kind of the, uh, kind of more of the in-your-face conversation that's to be had. And this, the psycho, psych, oh my goodness, I can't speak. The thrillers and the, the horror vibes that you get from this movie is uh, really fascinating. I think he would be pretty awesome if he gets a live, his hands on some live action film. Um, trying to see if they have any award. I don't think I see any awards or anything like that for this. But it did came out, and like I said, came out in Japan on February 28, 1998. Uh, the budget. Uh, I guess opening weekend in 2000 or 1999 was only $9,000, $9,600. And the worldwide, worldwide gross was $563,130. Uh, $563,130. The gross worldwide. 
definitely one of the smaller like like financially uh films financially made films um but overall though it's it's really solid and it's it is streaming now on amc plus perfect blue uh really solid film i guess my, my ending rating i'm giving this four stars like i really dug everything about it i think the visual styles the dark sinister tones that just really pushed it up in the forefront uh makes me want to rewatch it because I could, I could feel like this could be a top 100 uh possible uh film uh currently it's gonna be my number three film of 1999 uh right behind uh uh, right behind American Beauty and Fight Club. So really dang good movie there. Uh, but anyway, that is what I have to say about Perfect Blue. Now let's jump into Starship Troopers for our revisit review. In every age, there is a cause worth fighting for. But in the future, the greatest threat to our survival will not be man at all. Hey, Gideon, what's going on? It's war! We're going to war! Now, the youth of tomorrow must travel across the stars to defend our world. We are a generation commanded by fate to defend humankind. Everyone fights. No one quits. We are going in with first wave. You smash the entire area. You kill anything that has more than two legs. You get me? We get you, sir. But they will face an enemy more devastating than any ever imagined. takes you to the front lines of the next frontier. Kill them all! Starship Troopers. So, Starship Troopers is directed by Paul Fairhoven. It came out in 1997. It has an pretty awesome 90s cast, if, you, if I do say so myself. Led by Casper Van Dien as Johnny Rico. Denise Richards as Carmen Abanez. Dina Mayer as Dizzy Flores, Jake Bu uh, Jake Busey as Ace Levy, Neil Patrick Harris as Carl Jenkins. We also see Clancy Brown show up there, uh, Patrick Muldoon, Michael Ironside, the amazing voice of Michael Ironside, and Dean Morris. Uh, you know, I was watching this movie. I totally forgot that he was in it. I was like, oh, Breaking Bad. I do have to say I haven't seen it, so that's a big uh, blind spot on myself. Uh, if you haven't seen the movie in a long time, here's the synopsis. Humans in a fascist, militaristic future wage war with giant alien bugs. Now, myself, I'm a big fan of uh, those big giant monster movies, ridiculous plots. Like I, I love Jaws, and Jaws is not like a big ridiculous action movie or anything like that, or a big monster film that Spielberg did, but it kind of bred... Uh, some really fun movies. Obviously, I like Deep Blue Sea is another really kind of crazy shark movie. But then it goes into subgenres with these uh, giant bugs and eight-legged freaks came in 2002 which is, uh, with giant spiders. And you get uh, 
really campy if you go even deeper, like Sabretooth and just big anaconda is another one from 97 too. Uh, but anything with like big giant animals killing people, uh, it's kind of right up my alley. And Starship Troopers hit myself, hitting me right at the perfect age when I was a kid uh, back in 97. This is actually a film that my mom and I went to Blockbuster video in 97 and my mom said, pick whatever you want. So I picked Starship Troopers as my first film and then Alien Resurrection as part of the double feature that we did. Uh, we watched Alien Resurrection. No, no. Was it first? I don't know what the order, but we watched one of them. Alien Resurrection. I had a, back then I had to close my eyes a couple times. There was a, well, it was like a like seven-year-old kid. Uh, for whatever reason, looking back now, it's not really scary. It's kind of ridiculous. But Starship Troopers, I just ate this up. I had a blast. There was a couple comic books made back then in 97, and I just ate it up. I loved the lore. I thought this world of like giant bugs, it was awesome. I, I kind of created stories about Starship Troopers too. And I wanted to be Johnny Rico. Uh, Johnny Rico, it's crazy. That's a funny last name, especially the character that plays his dad. It just goes by Mr. Rico in, in the credits. Uh, kind of funny there. Uh, but again, uh, one thing that I really liked about this movie is kind of like the imagination it has. And, and a lot of people may, maybe not... Um, Maybe this movie is not as then people are not as high on it as I am, but I do know that you know when I think about it's like movies of '97, I think of Starship Troopers, this little this little crazy campy action film that maybe doesn't hold up for everybody's liking, but for me, man, it, I'm kind of nostalgic for it. It's kind of low key, just really just like a really guilty pleasure type of film, but it's not like it's guilty pleasure in a bad way. It's actually a really cool movie and really good. I love it how it plays like a lot of these different montages to break up different scenes and segments with these little commercials. You want to learn more the commercials here too. And it plays well and rewatching it and seeing the interactions with our main cast, which is, has a really a lot of young people yeah. and especially a young Neil Patrick Harris uh, in here. I, I, you know, don't really forget. I, I remember that he's in it and Denise Richards is in it too, right. but Having a young Casper Fandine, and uh, as he slowly becomes more charismatic throughout the film, it's pretty cool. And I, I know that they made several other Starship Troopers movies, and I haven't seen those ones. I've seen the, one of the anime ones, uh, but I know there's a couple ones that he actually comes back for Starship Troopers three, and he comes back as the voice of in um, one, a couple other ones that have come out. Uh, Dina Meyer shows up from Beverly Hills 90210, and as Dizzy here, uh, you. I totally forgot that she was also in Saw. We're doing the rewatch of those from a couple last couple years. It's been kind of fun to see the, her show up. Uh, definitely my standouts of this cast. I think Dina Meyer just kind of pops off the screen here as Dizzy. Uh, she's charismatic and just really liked the uh, what she brought to it. Even though there is kind of a teenage love triangle here with uh, Denise Richards, Dina Meyer, and Casper Van Dien's characters here, and it is kind of really. Uh, cheesy and it's kind of like eye rolling at times however i think overall i think you kind of know where the story's going and i kind of look past little flaws like that but like i said dina meyer's great in it i really like jake Busey as well as ace he reminds me so much of foul kilmer from uh top gun as Iceman. he goes by his ace here i really kind of like that big charismatic smile uh he just has a way with it, his presence on screen i don't think i've ever seen Jake Busey and anything else. But let's take a look at his filmography real quick. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to go back here to 97 here. His bunch of a bunch of movies, it looks like a bunch of movies and TV shows. Uh, let's see here. I'm looking through it. Uh, Twister. I totally did not know he was in Twister. He's in Contact in 97 as well. 
Enemy of the State in 98. So that was a Will Smith movie. I don't know. Maybe I need to go back and look at some of his filmography because there's some stuff here that's popping out. So the three movies I just saw right away, really cool. Uh, but anyway, that's his character. Uh, another person I really like whenever I see him in movies is Michael Ironside, that amazing voice that he brings to it, obviously playing Splinter Cell. He's the one of the voices in the very popular video game franchise there as well. Uh, but Michael Ironside, I, I like what he brings. He brings his uh, ruggedness to this uh, his professional ca professor character. He also goes into war, and he has one rule. Everybody fights, nobody quits, and if you decide to quit, he's going to shoot you himself. I, I love that philosophy. It's great for that uh, for the film anyway. I really like Michael Ironside. I really miss when I you see him pop up. I think just that that voice is just iconic, and seeing him in there is awesome. Uh, one th big thing I definitely have to mention here as being the, one of the standouts of this film, still 25 years later, is those special effects that were Oscar-nominated, surprisingly enough. I was really surprised to see. Uh, I, I knew this going into the film that it was Oscar-nominated. i known it for some years. But when you first realize that th this little uh, little campy sci-fi movie was nominated for one Oscar for science uh, for visual effects, pretty cool. And the visual effects actually do hold up. The bugs were, still look crazy. There's some sequences every once in a while that do kind of pop up, especially with the 4K release that I have. I think it's the 20th anniversary edition that I bought. So it's been a couple years old now. But still, 25 years later, it looks really good, really crisp visuals there. And, and makes sense why it was nominated. Surprised that this film did get in there, but at the same time, it's a worthy nomination. I think you have to give credit where credit is due. Those visual effects artists did a really great job. And I also like to go back to and look at some of the uh, budget issue, uh, budgeting that this film uh, had. This budget estimated had a $105 million budget for this movie. Crazy numbers for the budget. Uh, gross worldwide, it only made $121 million. So it just barely made even with its uh, all this. I would imagine it, it didn't really. It was a kind of maybe it considered a flop back in '97, especially with the budget being so big and only making 121 million. So just you know, 15 million more than a actual budget or a yeah, it's the budget. Uh, but still, I think the visual effects like still hold up. The cast is still really fun, especially when you watch this so many years later. You can. You feel like Leonardo DiCaprio and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood pointing at people that you've seen. Like, oh, I remember that guy. I remember this guy over here. Uh, the things that really bring in back in the next negatives here, because I haven't really talked about those. I, I think Denise Richards is not really great in here. Uh, she just has one look and it's a smile on her face the entire time. And maybe because she's just a care, carefree, reckless kind of pilot, crazy pilot. They reference her being a crazy pilot several times. But when you just have one look and it's just a complete smile, it doesn't really play well considering the movie. Even if it's cheesy enough, it just it's glaringly like like oh, watch she's gonna smile right here. You can take shots every time she takes a smile, and I think you'd be pretty wasted about the, an hour in. Uh, so I don't really care for her character too much. The love triangle again with Rico and Dizzy and Carmen, uh, it's campy, cheesy, and you know it. Overall, I think a lot of people would say the story is not the greatest. It kind of moves at a decent pace. It kind of jumps around, and it leaves you kind of maybe wanting more. At least it did for me. And I kind of want to go back and re-look really at those other movies, but I know the quality is probably not going to be there. 
Uh, but, you know, maybe they're worth a watch. Who knows? Let me know in the comments section if you, they, you think they are. But overall, I think Starship Troopers, if you grew up in the 90s and you did have that connection to it where you did watch it, watching it so many years later, I'm still hooked to it. My daughter didn't really care for it too much. She thought it was kind of, you know, maybe it's not her cup of tea. Uh, she'd rather just go play video games. However, for me, I was glued. My wife had a, my wife and I had a fun time last night watching this movie. So Starship Troopers, it's a three-star film for me. I, I enjoyed not one of the best movies in 97 by any means, but it is one that it will stand the test of time. That gets me nostalgic and gets me to love this film even more throughout the years. And uh, you know what they should do is just kill those, kill all the bugs. And uh, yeah, that, it's fun. Uh, Rico's Roughnecks, uh, just, just a great time at the movies. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. Uh, really had a fun fun time. I guess maybe fun's not the right word to talk about the first film, but Perfect Blue was a, a breathtaking film that is probably one of my favorite ones, uh, first time watches that I've had all year. Really glad I did that. And Starship Troopers, which is a fun time. Uh, go kill some bugs. Uh, but anyway, uh, next week's episode, we're going to go to 1982 and talk about one of the most, uh, one of the most, the actress with the most storied career, and that's Meryl Streep. And we're talking about Sophie's Choice. Uh, really excited for that one. First time watch. So anyway, thank you so much. Until next time, I'll see you later.